Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Experientially Speaking Podcast from Red Peg Marketing. I'm Chris Gehring, flying solo this week. Kohei Ito will join us for our next episode in a couple of weeks. But before we get to our interview with the famous group, Eric Burek, I want to quickly remind you to make sure you subscribe to the Experientially Speaking Podcast wherever you listen. If you like the show, please leave us a rating, leave us some comments. And as always, make sure you hit us up and let us know if you have any future guest ideas. All right, without further ado, let's get to our interview with the famous group's Eric Burek. All right, we are back on the other side of the break with our special guest, Eric Burek from the famous group Executive Producer. Eric, how's it going? Uh, it's going great. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us. And, and also on the line is my boss here at Red Peg, our Senior Director of Marketing and Digital Strategy, Krista Olson. Krista, how's it going? Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for uh, including me today. Yeah, I'm excited for this. I think it's going to be a really good conversation. The famous group has probably some of our listeners already know, does some awesome work in the experiential space, crossing over between making digital events scale up to be large-scale events completely on digital. Um, we'll get into all of that. But Eric, I just wanted to start and just kind of start at the beginning like we do with kind of all of our guests. Take us through your career path to get to where you are at the Famous Group now, your experience as a marketer, and uh Eventually, we'll get to all the good stuff and, and what's going on at the famous group these days. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Chris. And and great to be on with you too, Krista. Uh, you know, my, I, I've had a unique career. Uh, I started in production at Fox Sports. Um, my graduating college from Cal State Northridge coincided with Fox Sports getting their rights to the NFL a way back when in 1994. So I really got in on the ground floor uh, on, on the production side at Fox Sports I was a, re a researcher for the first ever Fox NFL Sunday, and then the very next year was able to get out on the road and become a broadcast associate. Uh, spent five and a half, six years at Fox Sports doing everything from the NFL on Fox to the NHL on Fox and, and MLB on Fox. So I had a, a really awesome experience getting in the production truck on the production side with some unbelievably talented production folks. David Hill and Ed Gorin started with, with really innovation in mind. I was in the television trucks with current president Eric Shanks, shout out Shanksy, um, and, and really enjoyed production and getting to understand what that really meant on a really large scale. Uh, after, after Fox Sports, I baseball is sort of was one of my favorite loves. I played in junior college, always loved the sport. Uh, I had the opportunity to go work for a sports agency that represented baseball players exclusively, uh, Beverly Hills Sports Council. Um, at the time, one of the premier agencies, Mike Piazza, Trevor Hoffman, Albert Pujols, uh, a lot of really big name. I, I left the production world and went to go be in PR and marketing. So I was really, you know, changed over and went to a different path which was a few, I've done that a few times and really encourage people to do uh, and be open to changing the course of, of, of their journey and got some great experience in marketing athletes and talent management. I kept a lot of my contacts in Fox Sports. Then after about five or six years, every five or six years was making some changes, 
kept all my contacts and went back to Fox Sports on the digital side. Worked at foxsports.com under Ross Levinson uh, right before the MSN deal that they did and then moved on to their traditional marketing side. All the things that were marketing, the TV properties, the Super Bowl, the World Series, NASCAR, and had a great experience in that as well. So started to really get my hands dirty with, with production um, as far as on the marketing side. After uh, a really another great run at Fox Sports, moved on over to a really well-funded startup. I then went to Viacom to work at Bellator MMA under Scott Coker. Uh, which was a, a wonderful experience utilizing a lot of the traditional sports. It helps that it was a Viacom property. And it was actually there that I met John Slusser, who started the famous group back in 1998. He was running sports and specials for Spike Sports and Viacom. Uh, we kind of hit it off and and he was telling me about the famous group and and met all the guys at, at the famous group and, and made a move about a year and a half, two years ago. So- that takes us to right now where the famous group, a a fan experience company, if you go to the website, you'll see fan experience company. And and I wanted to just, I wanted you to take us through like, what is the famous group's role in some of the properties that it works with? And how would you guess, I guess, kind of summarize the strengths of the famous group, what it is that you guys do for your clients and where some people may have seen your guys' work. I guess there are probably a couple spots where, you know, maybe, maybe some yeah, a couple, have seen it. a few. Uh, yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, the famous group started back in 1997, 1998, and really focused on the live event experience. Everything from pr a proprietary social media platform technology uh, called Vixie to really helping teams and leagues are, we're deep rooted in sports. We definitely do some entertainment, uh, some music, but really at our core is sports and also at our core is technology. So John Slusser, Greg Harvey, our chief innovation officer, that's where really it started. And sitting down with a team partner, um, you guys have experience working with team partners and, and very often you'll get a new board, you'll get a new, there'll be a new arena with a new space, with a new inventory. And we have really evolved with that. Um, again, with a strategy, creative and technology base we are constantly working with team partners and leagues on try to innovate and make really great fan experiences for in-venue. And that's where it started. And that's really kind of you know where we are today, only with with so much more tech innovation. It's really, it's really special. And so your your role within the famous group as a as a full-scale live event production um, and execution company, what what's kind of your role at the famous group and in working for something like you know, people have, I hope, have seen the WWE Thunderdome over the last year or so, really, truly like innovating in the event space over this last year. What, what's your role at the company? And, and then we can kind of dig into some of the cool projects that you guys are that you guys have worked on. Yes. So as executive producer, I oversee current projects. Um, I also help with our business to business social media strategy. We're very bullish on on LinkedIn and, and really try to share a lot of the work that that we do and we're always looking to to develop new business as well but when it when the pandemic did hit a, you know a year ago i mean you guys are in the same world we are it seems like only yesterday we were actually working with the nfl on how to bring a much cooler live event experience to the NFL draft that was going to be happening in Las Vegas. Well, once that, once we knew that wasn't going to happen, Tim Tobito, who leads you know live events at the at the NFL and and one of our our trusted partners, 
came to us and said, hey, here's a crazy idea. We want to bring live fans in to Commissioner Goodell's basement so they can have a a one-to-one experience and cheer and boo and do all the things that they do in a live event experience. But here's the catch. We can't use Zoom or Teams. We we have to build a a really secure proprietary technology. So we did that. And we worked with the NFL uh, back in April of last year. And it was a really amazing experience. We brought in over 1,200 live virtual fans. One, uh, basically each team had their own virtual fan room. And they came into Commissioner Goodell's basement. And it was it was. Tim Tebito's trust and his entire team that really helped turn something into a really innovative experience in the face of a, of a global pandemic. And then it kind of went from there. Our our managing partner and owner, John Slusser, has a relationship with Chris Kaiser, who's the EVP of production and broadcast at, at WWE. WWE had been tracking some of the things that were happening. Uh, they had tried some some events with no fans, and they wanted to to build a really rich experience with fans. And, and like WWE does, they did it incredibly big. And Vince McMahon wanted to go big, and they built the WWE Thunderdome. And instead of bringing two, 300 fans, we're bringing in over a thousand fans in a night. We have an experienced executive producer and Matt Marcus who helps run that each and every night. That's Fridays on on SmackDown on Fox, Mondays on Raw, pay-per-views now on Peacock. It's It was a very big project, but WWE, they were the perfect partner because they had a vision, they're innovative, and they wanted to push the envelope. And really that's what kind of made this Thunderdome a, a award-winning now. It's it's won a, a Sportel Award which is a global award for uh, for the industry, as well as it's out for a Synopsis Sports Award that is actually uh, uh, this week. Congrats on that. I know that a couple of us here at Red Peg um, sat in on a Friday night um, Thunderdome. It was something that I had no idea what I was stepping into when I sat in on a Friday night. It's like, oh, this is so interesting and so unique. It was really fun. Um, and to see yourself like having the TV screen on and sitting in front of a computer at the same time and like that multi-touched um, experience was just so unique and so interesting. So thanks for inviting us and for us uh, being a part of that. But yeah, absolutely loved that. Um, I know Chris and I both love basketball um, and have worked in basketball in the past. And, and just seeing how the Warriors um, activated against the their virtual fan tunnel could you walk us through just what the process is um, for potentially a new client? Like how does that ideate and then actually become a reality with your group? It's a great question. And as far as technology is concerned, the first thing you want to do is meet with that client and you want to really sit down and understand what their objective is. And a lot of times, and we've done with with the NFL, Sunday and Monday night football, the virtual fans was really just a broadcast element. It was only during the broadcast, NBC and, and ESPN would bring in the live fans. It would be 12 to 15. And the Golden State Warriors very much wanted to have an in-arena experience so they can have, you know, air quote, home court advantage and, and really have an interaction with with their players and the fans. So we worked with Sean Bennett and Jen Millette at the, at the Warriors to really create an environment 
where a player's tunnel was something brand new. Uh, sponsorship was a big factor. You know, the Golden State Warriors have monetized and are monetizing right now, which is a really cool thing to see because a lot of things, and I'm sure, Chris, Krista, this is happening with you guys as well. Things that have sort of been born out of a global pandemic are going to live on. We, we firmly believe and have talked to enough clients and partners that virtual fan can live on. If you're a big Washington Wizards fan and you live in Los Angeles, California, how do you have a meaningful game day connection? Well, virtual fan can do that. And what we're doing with the Golden State Warriors in an interactive experience, you're watching with nine or 10 other Warriors fans. Sometimes they could be your friends and then you can change camera angles and you can have an interactive popover. You could have a celebrity alumni legend drop in and have a, a one-to-one experience. All things that sponsors are really looking at. And, and quite honestly, the fan to have a really, really cool experience. Yeah, absolutely. You talked a little bit about sort of monetization and sponsorship so far. How do you think in terms of this type of product continuing on, do you see brands um, being able to monetize it? Are there particular KPIs that people are looking for? Are there particular kind of just um, measures of success? What what are people saying to you and, and how are you guys um, bringing that back to your clients? Yeah, as far as monetization, we are talking to partners that can sell out an arena. You know, if, if, if the Golden State Warriors at Chase Center have, you know, 17,500 fans, how do we sell out a virtual arena? And the reality is we can do that. And to answer to your question, Chris, I think the the monetization component to this is really, you know, hasn't really been tapped just yet. As far as the Golden State Warriors, at the Chase Center, if you're selling out 17,500 seats, well, then you could also sell out a virtual venue. And we've talked to partners. So again, if if you can't get to Chase Center, you don't live in, in the Bay Area, how can you buy a ticket? How can you have a sponsored experience and really have that meaningful connection on game day that you would pay for? And we have a lot of partners that are talking to us about how this could live on. And the Golden State Warriors have told us they have a big fan base in the Philippines. Well, unlocking a global audience is something that um, we've talked to partners about. The WWE did a show exclusively for their uh, fan base in India called the the Superstar Specta- uh, Spectacle that we brought in fans only from India. So there's an opportunity there as well. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, in terms of how Famous Group, I, you spoke a little bit about LinkedIn, but in terms of increasing social and just fan consumer interaction, um, what is the approach that you typically take? And are there specific things, again, that clients are asking of you that, you know, you're trying to solve for on a day-to-day basis? I, I think in, in this day and age, there's there's so much innovation, so much technology that are that's popping up every day. I mean, just look at NFTs. We didn't know what an NFT was a month ago, and now it's all the rage. You almost need to read LinkedIn every day just to keep up with, with you know, some of these teams and leagues and partners are doing. For us being able to, I think we all go to LinkedIn to learn something. You're going to that social platform to learn, to see what's happening in the industry. And for us to be able to showcase some of our our work that we do with partners is is meaningful for us, for the partner, but it's also good and healthy for the industry. People want to see what's out there, what folks are doing to help move that emerging technology forward. So LinkedIn is a big part of our business to business 
strategy. And quite honestly, it works the other way too, because we love to go to agencies like like Redpeg and see what what they're doing because sometimes that kind of clicks on a conversation and we can have that. And then ultimately we're all doing the very best for our client and our partner. And if there's another idea, I mean, when the NFT craze first started, a, a team partner did come to us and had asked about NFTs. Luckily, I had a connection to the group Medium Rare that actually did Rob Gronkowski's first ever sports athlete NFT. And I had a conversation and I got an NFT 101 from the guys at Medium Rare. And it was really awesome. Yeah. Talk <laughs> about being innovative and, and being ahead of the game. It was it was really cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I know that you've worked a lot, obviously, in, in sports. We've talked a little bit about entertainment with WWE. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about just a couple of things you've done in the music space and maybe something that people aren't aware of that the famous group has worked on? Yes. And there's a few things that we're working on that we'll be able to tell you more about in a couple of weeks. There's always that LinkedIn. Good shout out. We have to do the teaser on a podcast. We always got a little, give a little teaser. Our, uh, our chief creative officer, Lauren Fisher is on set right now at a, a special place that we'll, we'll share in the next week or so. But as far as as some of the things that that we've been innovating on the music and entertainment space. We've talked to a lot of comedy uh, venues, music events, a la Coachella, and different folks that want to activate with virtual fans that know that luckily for all of us, there is a light at the end of the tunnel for this pandemic. And we are seeing fans going back to events, which is, which is fantastic. It's what we all do. The reality is people aren't all going to rush back to venues. So events, teams, leagues are looking for ways to be able to activate fans that can't come right back. So we are, you know, we've got this proprietary social media display platform I mentioned called Vixie. We just relaunched it at the Super Bowl in Tampa. We were fortunate enough and and Greg Harvey, our, our chief innovation officer, works really closely with Epic. We got an Epic Mega Grant. So the entire platform is now powered by the Unreal Engine. So it's real time rendered. You're not having to wait for different, you know, different things like in the past. And very similar to how the Mandalorian is produced, it's real time rendered. So it's been a game changer for us. And there have been some music properties out there that have talked to us about that. Aggregating social, being able to promote live in real time is is it means something much different today than it did even a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's, it's it's so interesting in the music space. Like I attended my first virtual concert during this pandemic. And I have to say, like we we me and my girlfriend paid for tickets. We paid whatever, 15 bucks and sat in on it. I was very, very skeptical. But as a marketer, watching the whole experience and seeing like merchandise being always available, uh, real-time feedback and interaction with fans always being available through like social media engines or just a, you know, just a good old fashioned comment section like you would see on Twitch or, or something else. It was just a super interesting experience. And it I, I left the experience being like, you know, there's there is a way to do this going forward that I would come back to. Like if it was a favorite band that I, I know they're on a limited tour because of the COVID situation, they're still going to be out there, but they're not coming anywhere near me. I would consider, you know, maybe tuning in and, and paying like a little bit lower of a ticket price to tune in for an hour 
hour and a half on a Thursday night. And it's just a it's just an area of growth, I think, that maybe none of us really saw, saw at the forefront, you know, a year ago in March. But now is something where it's going to be just so interesting to see how artists and companies, production companies go about bringing these things to life. And I really think that the, it's it's a limitless possibility almost. That's exactly right. And that's we that's exactly what we've talked to the partners about is that, okay, you could sell out that venue and then have a virtual venue or have a different experience. The fact that we can, in the Dub Hub, have a legend like Chris Mullen or Tim Hardaway drop in and speak to fans. To your point, Chris, I would pay for that. I would I would look to, I know that if I can't get to a venue or can't get to a, a city or a state where that, you know, that event's happening, I would be willing to pay for it. And that's kind of what we're doubling down on. And we really do believe that our virtual seat technology is a is a solution for that. And I know a lot of folks are laser focused on getting fans back to those arenas and those stadiums. And it, and it makes sense. But, you know, as a complement to that, exactly what you just talked about, Chris, can we also have a virtual venue experience? for events that you can't get to or really won't get to. And we, we believe that, that that is going to happen. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, figuring out what that hybrid, which I feel like is now the, the catchword of 2021, pivot was the word of like 2020. How do you s- sort of see those two things living together, the virtual and in-person space? or digital space um, and what that balance is, because that's certainly something Chris and I are working on on a day to day and, you know, really bringing like the value and the metrics behind um, these types of programs. How does that influence how you're approaching all of the work that you guys are working on? Christy, it's a good point because the, the pivot is real. We've, we've all had to do it. Um, we had just talked about in a meeting the other day where because we're a technology-based company, we were able to pivot a little bit quicker. And we had a lot of our trusted partners, you know, kind of believe in us and, and go, go down that road. But a lot of these technology-based solutions are measurable. There was a great stat from the Sports Business Journal, God bless those number crunchers, that showed that one of the sponsors for for the virtual fan mosaic for Monday Night Football was Postmates. And they were able to to evaluate that Postmates had over a billion impressions during the NFL football season. It was the most amount of impressions for a sponsor during the NFL season. So Postmates was happy. The NFL was happy. And a lot of that was because of a technology-based solution that brought in virtual fans. So it really, it, it was a win-win-win situation all across the board. So I think the measurement is there. Uh, you talk about how we know how many fans are coming in. I mean, Stephanie McMahon knows exactly how many fans have registered for the WWE Thunderdome. She actually spoke about it on a panel a couple of weeks ago. Those are actionable, very similar to how you know how many fans are going into Dodger Stadium and and buying hot dogs. It's it's just a matter of, of where where you can take that that virtual world now and it is very real. Right. And I feel like especially with the NFL, like targeting that younger fan base, women, I'm sure going back to that postmate situation with credit card holders and credit card purchases are likely more on the female skewed side. So having all of that data and then also being able to build your fan engagement programs around them. I mean, I'm that's only a triple win to me to have even that extra layer of um, metric and engagement that you can measure against. 
Absolutely. We've talked to to our team partners who literally say that. They said, hey, fan engagement has changed over the last year and we believe that it could could continue on. Yes, they definitely want fans coming back to their buildings, uh, but what can we do to service that fan that doesn't live you know, in our state in our, and can attend a game? The last one for me, and this is just kind of an overarching question, but it's something that we try to think about a lot when we go into kind of the ideation phase of starting an activation, whether it's fully physical, whether it's digital and and physical, whether it's only digital, like we've had to pivot to in the last year or so at Red Peg. But what is the what's what's the one thing when you're starting something like the activation with the WWE? What's like the one thing that a marketing activation has to have to be successful? Like what's the hook? that it has to have for the consumer to be a success, whether that's one, whether that's a KPI, a number, or just like a a ethos that you guys strive to create through technology. That's a great question. And I think technology lends itself to, you know, being a little bit more nimble. And I think each partner of ours has a little bit of a different KPI. With WWE, it was all about really having a connection to their WWE universe, their fan base. Unbelievable how loyal these fans are and they wanted to make sure that the fans had that connection to to their events with the warriors of course they had their fans in mind they wanted to make sure that the fans were having a great experience both as the fan and then for the players to see but candidly they told us that sponsorship and and monetizing the experience was was really important to them so they were able to rotate various sponsors throughout the event they'll have multiple sponsors if you go in as a fan, you're when you get that email from your favorite team, from your favorite league, you know, that direct mail could be sponsored. So there's a lot of value into what these, you know, what what this platform can do um, and really helping with with technology. But as far as you know, what that what that measurement, what that KPI looks like, it really depends on the different client. But and that's the first thing we do. We sit down and we say, what's your objective? What do you want to and and sometimes by the way, that objective will change as we continue on through. When we worked with the Warriors and we developed the player tunnel technology where the players can see the fans, the fans can see the players. Well, they're starting to utilize that te- that technology for post-game interviews where one lucky fan gets to interview one of the players. I mean, that's something that they they weren't even thinking about when we have first started talking. So there is an evolution. And with the technology, you can always be, you know, always try to make, make a better experience. I was going to ask, um, if you're looking forward to one thing as sort of the world is opening back up and, you know, things are again changing, I'm not going to use pivot um, again in, in 2021, 22, what would that be? It's funny. I've thought about this over the last year a lot, Kristen. I think for me and a lot of the things that I personally have been doing in a virtual world, one of the things I'm most looking forward to being here in Southern California is going to an Angels game with my family and literally eating a hot dog and and, and drinking a beer. I just want to, I want to have some of that normalcy. I want to go back to, you know, to going to events and experiencing some of the things that we produce, whether it's a game open or some cool social media and seeing it on the big board. I want to go to a game. Love that. I think Chris and I would echo that sentiment. I know he went to a Nats game last week and he was like, this has made me the happiest person. It had to <laughs> so feel good, Chris. It was unbelievable. I was I was lucky enough right before joining Red Peg to witness some of the some of the Wizards games with zero fans. And that was cool for different reasons, like getting to hear the court and stuff like that. But being back in a 
open air stadium as a fan with a with a beer and a hot dog, like you said, quite literally, it was it was just like a, a religious experience all over again. And I think um, certainly to, to wrap it up from an experiential standpoint, from a marketing standpoint for us, I mean, knowing that there are literally millions of people that just want that, um, I think we're we're shaping up for some really awesome returns to to arenas, to stadiums. And just some awesome engagement opportunities with fans that have that have really just been craving this. It's awesome. And, and I can personally attest to the emotional connection that I felt unexpectedly, honestly. And uh, it was it was just really cool. It's coming. And we're almost there. We, we're we're and, getting uh, there. Yeah. And and with that, we'll we'll wrap it up. But Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Thank it was Eric. awesome to talk to you. And obviously, you're welcome back anytime. And we'll keep uh, we'll keep posted to the LinkedIn and, and check out what's going on next with the famous group. So thanks, thank thanks, you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. My goal will be to to be the first reoccurring guest. So <laughs> we love uh, it. Thank you. Thanks, thank Eric. you, guys. That'll do it for this week's episode of Experientially Speaking. Thanks again to the famous groups Eric Burak and Krista Olson for jumping on today. And like we mentioned at the top of the show, make sure you rate and subscribe to the Experientially Speaking podcast wherever you're listening. This podcast, as always, is produced by the amazing Rashid Cole, and we'll be back at full strength with Kohei Ito in a couple of weeks. Talk to you all then.